I pray that God will burden our hearts. God will burden our hearts every day for souls of men. And I pray that we would find every opportunity to share the gospel. As we look forward to our missions conference, and this is what we're going to, uh, to deal with in the subject, it pays to invest in missions. But let me start with, with this question. If I ask you, what's the reason why the church exists? Okay, what's the reason why the church exists? And I know if I, I probably ask you per personally, and I actually forgot to ask you know, several uh, folks if what's, what would be the answer. But um, I uh, came up for a few answers, and probably this would be your answer, to worship together. To worship together. That's the reason why uh, the church exists. And maybe others would say to visit the sick folks and pray for them. That's also good. That's also good. Um, maybe others would say to take care, to take care of people at important transitions in their lives. Like for, ex for example, marriage, um, childbirth, and even death. Okay, so that's uh, one of the things that uh, maybe, you know, that's probably your answer. Uh, another one here is to provide counsel, provide counsel or guidance and uh, comfort for the people uh, at important times. And maybe others would say to fellowship with each other. And sure enough, we always um, fellowship and sometimes, you know, eating fellowship. That's what uh, most, uh, well, a lot of Baptists do. Um, and uh, lastly here, to pray together. Now, if you actually, you know, think of this list, if you think of this list, it's no doubt that these are all essentials in the church, correct? If you, uh, you, will, you will agree with me that these are all essentials of the church because because all uh, because they they are all functions they are all functions of the church but i believe these are not the primary reasons or reason why the church exists exists and the church exists primarily because there is a lost and dying world for the lost and dying world now i will share a story many years ago the city of Pittsburgh constructed a large new post office and a, uh, at the cost of several million dollars. On the day of its uh, opening, the government made a speech, the bands played, and the people cheered. It's, it was a quiet celebration. However, when the first man entered to mail a letter, to the embarrassment of the engineers, it was discovered that in the rush to meet the deadline, they had omitted the usual letter drop. There's no letter drop. And here was a costly new post office, but no place to mail a letter. 
It was a slight omission, really, but it negated the very reason for its existence. Three more, three more days, three more days, and our missions con- con- uh, conference will start. And this is, I believe, the most important time of our calendar because it emphasizes the heart of Jesus Christ for missions, for the lost souls. And it is the primary reason why church exists, why church exists. And a church who does not get involved in missions loses its purpose and identity as the church of God. Now, Jesus Christ left his church here on earth to accomplish the Great Commission, and that he commanded, that he commanded the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's why it is important that the church must give importance and high value in missions. And it is important that the church must invest its resources in missions. And why? Because I believe it pays to invest in missions. And I'm not saying that the church would, you know, should stop, we should stop uh, taking care of each other. I'm not saying that at all. Because God commanded us to love one another, right? We see that a lot in the scripture. And to do good, especially in the household of faith. But the church's primary focus is to take the gospel to all nations. And that's the reason why Grace Baptist Church exists. Exists. And a church that is, that is pleasing to God is a missions-minded church. And believers must recognize that. Recognize the pleasure of God in saving people from every tribe and every nation. There's a verse in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is God's pleasure in saving people from every tribe and every nation. Now this afternoon, we have a great example of a church whose heart is in missions. But before that, let's begin in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity you gave to us. I ask, dear Lord, that in this building, in this room, you would speak into our hearts. Lord, that you would compel us. You would, you would push our hearts and burden our hearts with the lost souls because we know, Lord, that we are all recipients of your grace. Someone shared the gospel to us. And therefore, we can be with you for eternity because someone you have used for us to, to, to hear the gospel. And here we are right now serving you. And so, Lord, I ask and pray that you would burden our hearts to others as well and to love the lost souls, as you would have loved them. And I pray that you would, you would be with us for the rest of this service. In Christ's name, amen. Now turn your Bibles with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 13. 
Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3, and I will read uh, these verses, and you can follow along with me as I, as I read th- these verses. Acts chapter number 13, we'll look into verses 1 to 3. Okay, if you're there, and the Word of God says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manain, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Now, you can see here, missions, missions were poured into this church. And the Antioch church afterwards, we all know in just reading the, you know, the book of Acts, touched many souls in that then, uh, uh, souls in that then, in that then known world because how missions was first invested in, in them and in the lives of believers in, in Antioch. When you study the missionary journey of, of uh, Barnabas and Paul, many came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And furthermore, these people who got saved became a local church, and then what they did, they touched many souls as well. So you see, it really pays, it pays to invest in missions. And let's look at this church and see how missions was invested in them. The first we see here in verse 1, we see a lot of names here. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manain which had been, had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. So we have five names here, and we see in this passage that missions work was started and was done out of the local church. And all there were uh, ministries that are not driven, uh, that, you know, that are not driven by the local church. You can, you know, if, if you're aware of uh, other ministries that are not driven by the local church. And they were clothed in uh, their, uh, these ministries with, uh, with the name of missions, in the, uh, or I mean in the name of missions, but actually they're not. Like, for example, uh, helping people in other countries like, and, and, uh, through their agriculture, building houses, and something like that, all kinds of social work to ease the pain of the people, you know, most, most, um, mostly here in, in the third world country. And just calling it the missions, well, basically, that's not a biblical mission. They are good, though. They are good social work, but you can never say that these are for missions. Now, the missions is a dark, shattering work of God in the lives of people through evangelism, wherein they can hear the gospel through someone who, who've been shared, who shared the word of God in their lives, the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And after that, plant, they plant the church, see it flourish, discipling them so that they can reach others as well. That's the real mission, and that's the biblical mission that we can see in the Bible. Now, in our passage, God used the church in, in Antioch, and the church became the ground of the, uh, the, the training ground of leaders, the training ground of leaders. And we know that leaders were not made overnight, right? You cannot just go hop in into a church and become leaders uh, right away. And I'm sure that this church invested in the lives of these men. They, they given their lives, they given their resources, they given their time in order for these men to be ready and to be a leader of uh, and to be ready and be prepared for missions. And later on, we know that out of these five men, two of them became missionaries. Two of them became missionaries. Now, the local, the local church is a place where leaders are born. And in this context, missionaries are born. Uh, they, they were born, and I admire the, diversi the diversities of this man. And actually, if you look in this background, we don't have really a time, but I, I just give you a um, you know, quick, quick uh, summary with the names here. We have here first Barnabas, and I think he's the leader of, of, of these uh, five men because um, you know, in, if you study their, their, their maturity, Barnabas is really at the top there. Before uh, chapter 13 was, was uh, actually mentioned, and Barnabas was mentioned here, he was mentioned several times in the book of Acts previous to this uh, chapter. And so Barnabas was mentioned here at first, the son of consolation. He was, he was a Levite and from the country of Cyprus, which is actually in the, you know, in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Simeon, that was called Niger. Uh, his, na his name means black. And a lot of uh, theologians um, believe that he, he, uh, you know, he's a, a black uh, person because of his name. Lucius of Cyrene. Uh, Cyrene is the city uh, located in or also North Africa. And others would say that this is Luke because Lucius is a Roman name and Luke is a Greek name. It's a, that's the counterpart, but uh, there's no really hard evidence to that because Luke um, uh, met the Apostle Paul when they were in at Troas, when they're about to take um, their mission work to the, to, to the European uh, uh, countries. And so we see here Lucius of Cyrene. A, a, uh, Cyrene is a city in the north, northern Africa. Manain is a, what we call here, he was brought up with, with Herod the Tetrarch, meaning he was a foster brother of Herod the Tetrarch. This Herod, it was him, or it, 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 it was this Herod who killed John the Baptist, if you know the story. And of course, Saul, out of the five, he's the rookie in this list, because as you know, he's, he's Saul here. But, uh, of course, later on, he, of all of them, God used him mightily. He's from, also, he's from in the city of Tarsus, in the province of Cilicia. So, you see, God brought them together from all different countries and put them into this one 
church. And this church invested to these leaders. Now these men, as what the verse 2 would say, would say, these men were busy serving the Lord. And if you try to look, you really try to think of it, God often uses his servants who are already serving him. That's what he always do. As, the, as they have the opportunity, and rather than choosing or choosing those who are not serving him, but just sitting, sitting by idly. Now the question is, is God's, it's God, is God's desire your desire? If I ask you tonight, is, is God's desire your desire? Do you want to be used by God to bring the gospel to the lost? And I think many of you here, if not all of you, would say, yes, yes, of course. God, I want that God use me to bring the gospel to the lost. And if your answer is yes, the question now is this. What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? And so that's why I encourage you to come and train now, train now, and serve now because it pays to invest in missions. And this is what I'm getting into. It pays to invest in missions. Grace Baptist Church is a good church to train to train for missions, to serve God. And honestly, where should we get missionaries? Where should we get pastors, evangelists, faithful church workers? Can we, can we like hire non-believers and work here inside? To be workers here inside the church? I don't think so. God's servants should come from a local church. God's missionaries should come in the local church. We have a full-fledged, you know, Bible studies to get our training. We need more willing individuals who will help us to do, to do uh, you know, the church's ministries. We have a lot of ministries. So I, I encourage you to get involved, to get involved. We are trying to take the gospel to every house in the city of Surrey. And I ask you as well, to get involved because we are trying to get to take the gospel to the lost. And one of the, respons- one of the responsibilities of the local church is to train for missionaries. And for a, in the passage we have, we see that the, Anti- the church of Antioch, they train men and women for missions. And for this context, they train these men, five men, for missions. And that's why we see here in the second, we see here in the second that not only, not only we see that the local church, the Antioch church here, trained for missions, but also we see in verse 2, the Holy Spirit initiates in missions. Now in verse 2, it says here, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So you see, the Holy Spirit called Barnabas and Paul for a specific work. And here we can see that, you know, what's their, their calling? 
to be missionaries. And this is a good verse also to point out, you know, note aside, that the Holy Spirit is a person. He, he speaks to people. So, therefore, He is a person. He directs people as well. In this case, He initiates the call for these missionaries. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. He is a person. Now, for number, the verse 2 here, there's three things that we can take note. First one, the call came while they were ministering and serving the Lord. And this is worth to remember. When God looks for a man or a woman for ministry, He looks for men and women who are servants, who have this servant's heart. Humble servants are the kind of men and women that God wants to use. Like for example, Sister Roman was faithfully serving here in our church, serving here at Grace Baptist Church when God called her to Ethiopia. And I know that there are many examples of Christians like Mrs. Roman who are faithfully serving the Lord when God called them to be, to, to be in the mission field. The second here is that the obedience, the obedience to the call. Now, let us remember that there is a call because I believe that God is always calling men and women to help Him, to, to work with Him, to be, to be a partner with Him in, in missions. But you can see here that there is also our part. It's the obedience. The call is as good as men and women obey it. I believe God is still calling men and women for His work. But God's call can progress when we obey it. A lot of people, um, you know, I've heard many testimonies that they've been resisting God and they, they really know that God called them into full-time service. They really know that God wants them to go. But, they, but because of their, what's going on in their life, because of, I, I don't know, um, uh, many, many reasons in their life that they you know, they suppress the calling of God. They, su they suppress the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives and therefore eventually not ending up in the work of the Lord. The third one, of course, we can see here, the call is specific. God chose a specific work for them. It's not them to choose their own field. Not all of us are, are called to be pastors, missionaries, and evangelists. God has specific calling to your life. And the question is, you know, if you think of wherever you are right now, wherever you are right now, maybe you're, you're working, you're, maybe you're serving the Lord, you're, maybe whatever, you know, you're, uh, wherever, wherever you are right now, the question is, is that where God wants you to be? That's a good question to ask. Is that what God wants you to be? So we see that the local church trains, trained for, trained, um, for missions. We see that the Holy Spirit initiates in missions. But thirdly, or finally, we see that the believers in the local church 
invest in missions. You can see here, verse 3, And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their, hand, uh, and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. You know, I, when we think of, like, basically Mrs. Froman, she's really faithful in the, in the church. And, and I know that when she left, it's not this kind of the same anymore. Right? We don't have, just like Mrs. Roman, uh, in this building. But of course, we see, we see here that what, that's what the church of, of, uh, of Antioch did. The church invested in the lives of Barnabas and Paul. And after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them away as obedience to the call of God. Were Barnabas and Paul profitable to the church? Absolutely. They were. They were. But the church understood that it is more profitable to send them to the mission field. And if you look into the story as what I've said, really, it pays to invest in missions because of the lives have changed because of these two men. Barnabas and Paul led many souls to Christ and through their missionary effort, many work were established and these all point back to the obedience of believers in the church at Antioch. You see, it really pays to invest in missions. Not everyone is, is able to go to the mission field. But it does not mean that you and I would care less for missions. And the Great Commission is, is a call, a command to every believer. And how can I reach the people with the gospel of Jesus Christ in other tribes and tongues and nations? Of course, by sending missionaries. Because you cannot be there. So in place, we send missionaries. And how can I send missionaries? Well, it's simple. Through our giving. And that's why we, we always emphasize missions giving. Because not every Christian is called to go, for, to go to the foreign mission field. That's what these other missionaries that you can see. But every believer can be a partner, can get in, be involved be a partner with those who are called to go by making contribution that enables them to go. Do you give so that those who, whom God called can go? Not only through our giving, but also through our praying. Believers offered prayers for Barnabas, we can, as we see that in the, in the, in the passage Believers offered prayers for Barnabas and Paul as they embarked to the mission field. And I, and I do believe that they continued to pray for both of them for the rest of their missionary journey in ministry. And also God commanded us to pray, right? Pray that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And I pray that God will burden our hearts. God will burden our hearts. Every day for souls of men. 
And I pray that we would find every opportunity to share the gospel or even give you know, a gospel track to unsaved people. The local church needs to train missionaries. And we can see that in the church of Antioch. We also see that the Holy Spirit initiates in missions. But also in the third here, we see that believers in the local church invest in missions. Now, if every one of us stops on investing, every one of us, let's say, for example, if any one of us or every one of us invest, um, stop on investing in missions and neglect the Great Commission, then what's the point of Grace Baptist Church? What's really the point of Grace Baptist Church's existence? You know, the task of mission is not done yet. We need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And really, all alternatives, all alternatives that people are saying leads to hell. And millions and millions of people are heading there. And you see, we, are, we have the means of their escape. We have the message of God in our hands, in our hearts. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's say we can't go to, you know, other mountains and tribes and nations. We can't go there. But of course, we have missionaries. But not only that, we have the city of Surrey. They need also the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why in every opportunity that God gave us to put the gospel tracks on the and every mailbox, we hope that someone will read that and even, even, you know, know the message, know that they need the Savior of Jesus Christ and that therefore they would receive salvation. Recently, my wife and I went to the Philippines. You all know that. And one day we went to this place um, with an overlooking view of the mount, mount, mountains, um, actually, we went there just to uh, eat, and uh, the one that I really like is to drink coffee, uh, native coffee. So when you, while you're drinking coffee, you can see an overlooking view of a, a you know, nice view of um, mountains, of course, um, and it's about a 45-minute drive. And uh, we passed on an old bridge with with their. Um, with, you know, if you see this bridge, it's an old bridge, and there's no road that leads to it, right? So that bridge doesn't live its purpose, because why, that's what's the reason why there's a bridge, to connect two roads, and to have, you know, traffic, the cars to pass by there. But of course, we see, uh, I see a, a, one bridge that is actually, you know, just sitting there. It's an old bridge. It's better for that actually bridge to, you know, to be, um, you know, um, to, what's the word? Yeah, to demolish or something like that. But uh, that's why that bridge doesn't live its purpose. And the same as the church who neglects in missions. 
when we neglect our missions, we or that church doesn't live its purpose. And like to finish, I'd like to close um, this message with a personal story or on why, on why it pays to invest in missions. Why it pays to invest in missions. Now, before World War II broke out, there were not many missionaries, you know, going into the Philippines. There were few who came, and God used them mightily in proclaiming the gospel to the lost. And in fact, um, uh, the Bible College where I graduated was actually established before World War II. But after World War II, there's a call, a tremendous call of missionaries that, you know, it's like a sounding call to many, many Americans to go to the Philippines. And because of that call, many responded to the call to go to the Philippines to be missionaries. In 1957, a missionary named Bob Hughes, I don't know if you know him or certainly you didn't met him, um, I didn't met him too. Bob, uh, a missionary named Bob Hughes from the Baptist Bible Fellowship International came to the Philippines. He led, uh, he led many Filipinos to Christ. And he challenged many Filipinos to give their lives for missions. He started a Bible Baptist church in Katipunan, Cebu. And the church grew, actually, and was used by God to be an instrument to preach the gospel to the lost. And in 1969, this missionary, Bob Hughes, decided to take a forlow, and he recommended Dr. Armi Gisalva. He's a medical doctor in the Philippines and a faithful member of Bible Baptist Church and he recommended him to be the new pastor of the church. In answer to God's call in his life, Dr. Gisalva closed his medical clinic and surrendered his life for full-time service. That's what he did. In 1972, missionary Bob Hughes came back to Cebu, Philippines, where he concentrated his efforts in training the young people through Bible Baptist College. This college grew and graduated many pastors, evangelists, missionaries, and one of their graduates became a pastor too a certain, uh, in a certain church. And later on, this, this, uh, this pastor was invited to be the guest preacher, to be a main speaker at a summer youth camp, youth camp in 1996, where me and my sisters attended. It was that moment that I accepted Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. I stand here today, or tonight, or afternoon, sorry, preaching God's word because someone invested in missions. There's probably many churches 
invested in missions by sending a missionary to the Philippines. And because of all the missionaries that went to the Philippines and all the churches that started, if you look actually, you know, you can take a look, a little research of it. The Philippines is now reaching the rest of the world with the gospel. They're one of, of other countries. And I think the, for me in the Southeast Asia, the number one, the number one sending missionaries to reach the world with the gospel. So I encourage you to take part, to take part in missions. And maybe God is calling you to go to the mission field. Missions is not only limited to, you know, certain age group. Not just young people, not just college and career. In fact, we need adults to step up for missions. If you're not called to be a missionary, then get involved in praying and sending missionaries. Because really, it pays to invest in missions. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.